0: Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join me here for this week's episode. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Jeanette Schneider. She's a speaker, an author, an advocate, and a mom. Jeanette is doing some really important work on the planet, and today we're going to speak with her about her brand new book called Lore that just came out, and we're going to learn all about what the word lore actually means. So sit back, relax, and Let's Connect. Hey, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful week wherever you are tuning into this. I'm here tonight in a hotel room in Marina del Rey in California. I spent the last week in this area. Um, It's been really, really inspiring this week. I have so many stories that this could probably be a whole podcast just to tell you about the experiences of this week. Um, I'm having a deep, deep personal transformation this week uh, on so many different levels, spiritually, emotionally, physically, it's been really, really powerful. Um, I'll just share a couple highlights before we get into the interview with Jeanette. I think one of the greatest moments happened for me last weekend. I was in Hollywood at a place called Wonderlust. And Wonderlust in Hollywood is this great studio where they put on workshops and they have yoga classes and just a really, really neat community. Um, if you haven't heard of it, the Wonderlust Festival, which travels all over the country, um, both in the states and in Canada, and they put on uh, wellness events. Essentially, it's it's quite a powerful thing. So they've got their headquarters or one of their headquarters in Hollywood. So I decided to uh, to head down there because one of my favorite yoga teachers was doing a very rare appearance class. Um, her name is Sean Corn. Another person I highly recommend you check out. And uh, Sean is releasing a brand new book later on this year, and she decided to teach a New Year's class all about what she calls the revolution of the soul. And it was just such an inspiring time with her. Uh, The room was packed full of people. Um, And so I put my mat down in the room. I got there early because I'm an uber keener fan. And I put my mat down early close to the front and I met this woman who um, introduced herself and she said, bring your mat up by mine. So I slid my mat up by hers and uh, realized that I was in the front row of the, the class. And sure enough, I ended up doing the class with Sean Corn, one of my favorite teachers, like literally like an arm's length away from me for most of the class. And although it was quite intimidating, I also really enjoyed being that close to somebody with such incredible um message and and just an amazing woman so it was really really cool Um, it turns out that where I had my mat originally in the yoga room uh, there was a space there and and another lady put her mat down there and we became friends very quickly and um, so random but after the class she asked me if I wanted to go and see a movie down the street so we ended up going to see a movie called Mary Poppins Returns if you haven't heard of it Um, and what was so ironic about all this was uh, just a few days earlier I'd been thinking about how I've spent a lot of my life over 2018 just really in this like work mode with the book coming out and all the promotion that has to go with that. And um, one of my intentions early last week was just to to have more fun as 2019 comes in. So when this lady um, asked me if I wanted to go and see Mary Poppins at the theater with her. I thought, well, what a great opportunity. So we went together and uh, watched Mary Poppins, and there was just so many little neat nuances there that happened. Um, I ended up getting a free bag of popcorn at the concession stand, kind of by random chance, and got to give it to this this girl that was just so delighted to have a free bag of popcorn. Um, we watched the movie, and at the end of the movie, I went downstairs on my way to the washroom and realized that this, this theater we were watching the movie in only plays Disney movies. It's called the El Capitan on Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, so how cool is this? I go downstairs and all of the artifacts and the costumes from the movie are actually on display in the theater. So after watching the movie and feeling like a kid and then going downstairs in this theater and seeing the actual outfit that Mary Poppins was wearing and the bowl that was used in the movie and on and on, it was really surreal. I felt like I was in a dream sequence and what I'd been seeing in the theater was like the inner dream and then all of the artifacts that literally appeared um, was like the outer dream and we're always doing this if you really think about it you know we're we're, we're imagining in our our inner theater of our imagination in our mind and um and then all of a sudden over time if you're paying attention in this thing called life you start realizing that what you've been imagining on the inside starts showing up on the outside and uh, we really are responsible for creating our own magic our own realities um and for me that's what what's been happening all week i could go on and on and tell you just a whole whack of stories about all of the incredible connections that that have happened this week and the synchronicities and it's just been quite amazing but uh, I will save that for another time another place because I want to get on today to why we're here and that's to learn a little bit more about the wonderful Jeanette Schneider who um, is going to really inspire you. I know this conversation I had with her happened a few weeks ago. She lives in Las Vegas. I was up in Winnipeg at the time. And um, so let' let's tune into this. I invite you to sit back and just take in the words of this wonderful conversation, and we'll see you on the other side. Here's Jeanette Schneider. All right. Well, joining me from Las Vegas, Nevada, um, somebody that I just recently discovered in her incredible book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future. And it's a really, really great read so far. And Jeanette Schneider's joining us here on Let's Connect. Hey, Jeanette, how you doing?
1: Good morning. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, it's awesome to connect with you. I just love the work you've been doing in the world. It's so inspiring.
1: Oh, thank you. That makes me feel good. <laughs> it's it's nice to connect with like-minded, yeah. like-minded folks. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. You know, just for like the listeners that aren't, especially the Canadian listeners up here where I am, um, mm-hmm. we're just getting to know about this book. Tell me a little bit about the book, and and what inspired you to write it.
1: Absolutely. Um, the book was truly inspired by my daughter. Um, I, gr- I kind of grew in a career that was uh, male dominated and it was after becoming a mom and kind of going back to work after maternity leave that I realized I wanted to wor- the world to look a little different before my daughter got there. And, um, it kind of was a, a very, um, it just has happened over time and organically. And I started blogging for women in right after my daughter was born. And at some point in time, I looked at some friends and I said, hey, you know, I really feel like I am connected to some amazing women um, who've had really great experiences in life um, that most women and girls would have no idea. And I'd love to find a way to virally mentor others by sharing our stories and the things we wish we would have known when we were younger. Mm. And what started as just like a viral blog project became this really beautiful um, experience and people relating their stories from their past and realizing how alike we truly are and how we have a tendency to share a lot of the same messaging. Um, and I really wanted to dig into that. So I created the book as a way to kind of dig into the project and share the things I learned through the communication with these women who share their stories.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Um, if we just back up, what kind of career did you leave to do all this work? What, what where, where were you?
1: So I'm a senior vice president um, with a large financial um, company. Um, so I'm in finance, I manage lots and lots of money. <laughs> And I'm actually retiring at the end of this year. I did this. I wrote this book, this three-year project, um, and the book took me about a year to write. Um, I did it all while working full-time, traveling around the country, um, being a mom. And it was um, after the book came out and I started doing podcasts and interviews and and speaking that I realized I really want this to be my life's work. So I actually retire at the end of this year. On December 31st, it will be my last day in finance. Um, I've been doing it for two decades and dedicating my life to making the world a better place for the next generation
0: Wow that is a huge shift and so awesome I am I'm so curious about this I know a lot of my listeners that tune into the podcast are often dealing with this work-life balance situation Mm -hmm. and a lot of them have dreams of doing something beyond the sort of hamster wheel that they're on like how did you get the guts to actually step outside of that world that you were in and move into this dream like that's amazing
1: I've always, you know, I've been writing forever. I love, I've, I've had just this really deep connection with words and language and storytelling since I was about 13 years old. And it only had purpose after my daughter was born. But I've always felt like there's something that I need to share. Um, When I write or when I speak, I've noticed that people are very um, attached to the communication or the story. So I knew I had a gift. I knew I had something that I had to share and having her really created the direction for it. And as much as I have loved my job, it's given me a beautiful life. Um, I'm, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you had it on a vision board at one point in time and I created this really amazing career. And I I really got to the place where I was confident enough in what I called my side hustle, which was mm. writing and blogging and speaking. I became so confident and started being tapped into as kind of a thought leader in that space that once I started creating you know, the foundation and the confidence. It wasn't an easy decision, it was a long decision. It's probably taken me two years to get here. But I also had that two year ramp up period to get really clear on what my messaging was and create a comfortable transition plan to where I could transition from one career to the next and not be, you know, starving artist and, and making sure that I was, I was supported in yeah. a lot of ways.
0: Wow, you know, hearing you speak, I can hear the confidence in your voice combined with this sort of joy, like it's just this like inherent joy. And it's so inspiring. I I, I noticed in your book, you, you talk a little bit, I think about this like gut check method about learning to trust, like your intuitive side. And I'm just wondering if that was part of your process too, in terms of this whole creative process that you've been through.
1: Absolutely. I think so. After my daughter was born, I also went through a divorce, unfortunately. And I think At that point in time, I started to get really in tuned to my own intuition and the difference between fear and my inner knowingness. And it's been an absolute and total journey. But what I learned is when you start to become self-aware enough to tune into your own voices right the voices in your head and your heart and your gut wherever it is you start to learn the difference between fear and intuition and i really have gotten to a place where i've recognized that all of the best decisions i made in life were because i had a knowingness mm. and i re- also learned how to separate that from the fear voices which are like what are you thinking you're walking away from w2 in income? Like, what about, you know, insurance? Like you have all of those things, but then you have a knowingness that's like, I know that I can do this. I know that I'm good at it. Um, And you start to kind of lean towards that knowingness. And I think it took me going through some hard times and some struggles to learn the difference between the two voices, Um, because I also didn't have at the time, I mean, I didn't have a relationship in my life where I was, you know, going to my husband and saying, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I'm not sure. And getting his input, I was kind of um, creating my own new life alone. And so I got really clear on what was important to me and, and what I knew versus what I was afraid of.
0: Wow. I just have this gut feeling right now that there's people listening that are totally needing to hear this. And for anybody that's in that situation where they're struggling, maybe through it's a breakup of a relationship or trying to just shift careers. And there's like all this fear attached, like how do you connect to that place of knowing in your gut, that intuitive yes. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how do people do that formally? How would you suggest? You have,
1: you have to get quiet. I think that that's one of the most important things because the world will offer you a lot of noise. Um, and you have to learn how to get quiet with yourself and start to recognize the difference in the tone of the noise, right? Because even leaving my career, I've had people, colleagues who you know deeply respected me, who think I'm crazy. And one of them was like, I think you're nuts. What are you doing? And for a minute, you start to second guess yourself, but you also realize where they're coming from. They're also coming from a place of fear. Right. And what's hilarious is that when I talk to these folks, like I've had several people who are really concerned for me and they don't realize how much work and effort and thought I've put into it. But by the end of the conversation, they're saying that something like, I wish I was that courageous. Wow. I wish you could be that brave because there's going to be a day in my life where I look back over my life and I'm like, well, The money was nice and the insurance was nice and the benefits were nice, but what did I really do? So if you get down to the crux of it, what you find is everyone has something that they would like to do in life. They just don't have the courage or the bravery to to walk out. So so I think what I would say to anyone who's listening is get really quiet with yourself and become very self-aware and start paying attention that when people are offering you advice that they're looking at it through their lens. So make sure that you're not making life decisions on someone else's past experience.
0: Oh, that is so good. And when you start talking about um, what you're wanting in the future and what you're being called to create right now, I'm guessing Mm -hmm. part of it is this movement of lore, um, the book. Can you just start by sharing a little bit, too, about, like, what does lore actually mean? Like, why did you choose that title and what is that?
1: Yeah, like, I love that people ask me this question because it's a great, it's a great story. Um, So my right before my grandmother passed away actually it happened i had three that i wrote about in the book and a fourth one that I, i didn't really write about i had four people who passed away um who i got to have final conversations with right before their death
0: Wow! and
1: that really changed my life and the way that i look at the world because right before their passing people get really clear and there's no more stories about like who left who or who hurt who. Um, you don't really, money isn't important anymore. Um, It really comes down to who you loved and who you cared for and what you, not even accomplished, but what you experienced in those moments of joy. And each of them shared with me something really important, like the day before they died. And I thought about that as I was building out this project, the generational passing down of knowledge. It's good and it's bad when you're in the storied position and you're receiving general rational, cultural messaging. You know, mine had been around, you know, religion and around this self-deprecating humor we had where we were all losers and yeah. we nothing ever, no one ever accomplished anything. Right. So you get these stories that you believe about yourselves and you think that like one of my my cousins referred to it as being the Schneider curse. And I was like, I (laughs) do not have the Schneider curse. And on, on their deathbeds, my family was like, none of that matters. That's the noise doesn't matter. And so I I thought about that, you know, the different, um, the folklore that we receive through life, the generational passing down of knowledge through story. And sometimes it's beautiful and sometimes it's damaged. Wow. and how we really have to understand our lore and our stories and be clear on what's true and what's not. Because I can guarantee you the person that raised you on the day of their passing is going to likely either apologize for something that they said to you or tell you that everything that they taught you really didn't matter. And they just hope that you love the people in your life.
0: Wow. This opens up so many questions. I, yeah, absolutely. What an incredible concept of going back and using the past to grow and to to get clear as well um i'm just curious in your perspective of this since you've spent quite a bit of time with people that are close to dying like mm-hmm. um do you find that like the fear-based stuff like for most of our lives we're living in that place of fear and why is it like in that transition between death that we come kind of into this place of clarity and wanting to forgive like why why do you think that is
1: I think, I truly believe like we're born perfect, you are born perfect, everything that comes next is information and it's generationally passed down based on a fear society because at at one point in time we had to keep ourselves safe, right? Yeah. And our grandparents went through the Great Depression. So there's still some of that familial kind of um, scarcity mentality like, do everything you can, just get a job, be there, the American dream. And a lot of what we believe, and, and of course, you know, from my perspective, I'm looking at, um, you look at the industrial revolution and how there was this, you know, women need to be in the home and they need this. And this is what a man looks like. And this is what we've received so much of our information just because of, um, propaganda and advertising and and, and agenda mm-hmm. and and fear so if you look at you know wanting to say safe from just a, a physical perspective and then wanting to say safe and have security from a monetary financial like life um, value perspective we we get away from the love you know, we get away from the actual everyday, like how to be a good person and how to love the people in your life, because we're constantly being told that there is some dream out there that we have to attain. And I think right before death, people get super clear almost as if they were you know, just born. You know, when you're born, you, all you want to do is you want to love and be loved right before you pass. Um, Each of these individuals had something to tell me and they couldn't leave this earth until they shared these words with me. And I feel that it was like one of the greatest blessings because I think that they get super clear that they can't take it with them. You enter this life alone, you leave alone. What happens in between, you are completely in control of, but you have to uncover what's been shared with you because of an agenda or a fear-based belief system. And I just think like you realize that right before you go, You're, you're walking out alone.
0: Yeah. One thing I'm appreciating about you is it feels like um, you are living like you've already died. Like you've there's there's a real clarity in you here of knowing like a deep inner knowing. I'm just curious, like if you were on your deathbed or close to it right now, um, Mm -hmm. what is the clarity you would share?
1: Um, for me, it's kind of funny because I make a lot of my decisions from that deathbed perspective, and I know that sounds maudlin, but you know, because of these experiences I've had, yeah. I have a tendency to to have a conversation with that version of myself, and she's in her, on her deathbed, and she has her family members around me, around her, and she's looking at them, and they are all feeling sorry for her, and she's looking at me and saying, "If I'm leaving them, I need to be able to tell them that I've lived a good life, so don't make me have any regrets. Make me know. I want to be able to look at the people in my life and say." I lived a good life and I cannot wait to see what happens next. I'm curious about the transition. I'm good. Love on each other, take care of each other, and um, listen. To me, more than anything, it's, it's find your knowingness and start trusting that place within yourself because it will not lead you wrong. Learn the difference between the knowingness and what you've been told. And I think that's my lesson. Um, it's, it's the clarity that I have now it's rather than kind of, Oh, I need to work at a corporate career because it means I'm successful and I need to own a home because that means I'm successful. And I need this because it means I'm successful yeah. and I'm learning just to follow the knowingness and, um, and realize where my gifts lie.
0: Wow. Oh man, Liz, you're bringing up this prayer that I say every morning in my, my meditation practice. It's from St. Francis of Assisi and the last mm-hmm. line of it talks about, um, it's in dying that we're born into eternal life. And one of my mentors, Wayne Dyer, used to quote this a lot and and talk about the idea that, you know, if you can die while you're still alive, meaning letting go of that ego, that part of you that thinks you're separate from and you are what you do and you are what you have. And as you're suggesting all these pieces and to, to get the clarity of like, why am I actually here and not be spoon fed from the outside world? Like there is just wisdom that comes through and what i'm appreciating about you Jeanette, is it's like i get this sense from you that you are living from that place of clarity and spirit and you're here to do such amazing things like this book and this whole waking people up to this truth it's really cool
1: well thank you and it's it's so nice to hear that reflected back and i will tell you there are days absolutely where i'm like what am i doing you know (laughs) because you have those moments and but here's the difference i can get out of those moments very very quickly how do you do it um Um, I I recognize the moment that I'm starting to have like, oh, God, or feel old anxiety that I used to carry with me on a daily basis that I have gotten rid of because of my meditative practice. Whenever I start to feel some of those old things pop up, I can see them and I move into an observer perspective. Mm. And as opposed to being in them, I pull myself out of them. And then I look at them from a broader perspective. Free writing has absolutely helped me get perspective when I'm starting to feel a little fear based, um, where it's just stream of consciousness writing that Julia Cameron writes about in the artist's way, um, that really helps you to unblock yourself and get clear on what what you're dealing with in the moment. And a lot of times I can recognize I've just been triggered because an old story has been, has been, has reemerged, right? And so I think if you can move yourself into a place of rather victim blame, I'm in it, and move into a place of observation perspective, even, and, and I will actually time myself. I'll be like, I had this thing happen and I got scared and it took me 45 minutes to pull myself out of it. Or it took me 35 minutes to pull myself out of it. So it's almost like I have these like <laughs> these layers of success where I'm like, that one only took me 20 minutes to realize that that was an old story that was triggered and I am good. Wow. You know, it's like, you can get to that place. I think there's such freedom in it. Yeah. Um, and you become a creator. And I think that's the thing that I've loved is that I, as I've moved into this mindset shift, I've moved less from asking permission and being fearful and wondering if I'm going to fail to being like, I am a creator. And every failure is a gift and a lesson, and it just. I keep going and um, it's been a blessing.
0: That's amazing. You know, you mentioned writing and I've, I've noticed this trend in talking to you just about how that really seems to be foundational. And I know in your book yeah. too, there's a, a lot around writing love letters to yourself and different versions of yourself. I think you even have some sort of a movement going on with love letter writing. I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and just what that's all about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started, it was kind of funny because like I said, it was supposed to be viral mentorship. And so I was asking people to write love letters to their younger selves. And to be honest with you, when it first started, I expected it was going to be, don't pluck your eyebrows, like wear sunscreen. And then a couple of like deeper things, right? But what I did that was different is that I I asked the women to visualize versions of themselves. And I think the visualization got them deeper and, and more deeper into themselves than I expected. Right. And so I walked through visualization, you know, look at a younger version of yourself and see her clearly or him. And I've had so many men who've, this is like, just blown their minds as to even the things that they've believed from their relationships with their mothers and their fathers and, you know, really getting clear on that younger version, seeing them walking through the visualization and then speaking to them from your soul. I think once you get through the visualization, you start to get like really super emotionally attached to this younger version of yourself and you start to feel nurturing. There's no more of that What were you thinking? Get it together. It's truly you didn't know better, or that wasn't your fault, or I'm sorry this happened to you, but I've got you now. And it's almost like a reparenting of the younger self that had such therapeutic and cathartic value that the women themselves were changed. So as opposed to this just being something where they were virally mentoring other people, they themselves were coming back from it saying, I didn't realize I was doing these things because of a story I was told when I was five years old. And I just think that the catharsis that came from it and just learning when and i'll and i'll share with you myself when i wrote my love letter to my younger self my first sentence was you will spend most of your life believing you are unlovable mm-hmm. and when i wrote it i was i had to suck my my breath in because i was like i didn't realize that but then when i actually took those words and looked over the course of my life i had entered every relationship and every work situation from a place of um unworthiness right. and this unlove ability to where I would just accept what was given to me and I would keep quiet and then I was entering abusive relationships and problematic friendships and once I got clear on that I cleaned house and I um I shifted my relationships my friendships um I am now in the most purposeful and mindful relationship romantic relationship I've ever been in mm-hmm. because I can now enter it as a person who is loved and lovable and that just un am un- unwinding that message has completely changed my life.
0: Yeah. Well, that doesn't happen overnight, I suspect, for you to yeah. move from <laughs> the place of unlovable to lovable. I mean, there's some serious work that's been done in there. And yes. I'm sensing that a lot of the work that you're helping people do is this, is the processing from their past to learn, to grow into the future. Is that correct? Abs-
1: Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's layered, you know, like I, I get to a point to where I'm like, okay, I finally got to this place of worth and lovableness. And then my boyfriend and I had our first little, you know, troubled spot. And immediately, all of a sudden, I was like, I have a belief that I am easily leaveable I got to work on this one. You oh, know what I mean?
0: no. Yeah, I know. Was, was that during Mercury retrograde by chance? Because I, I was going through it's a similar awesome. thing. <laughs>
1: It Probably it was just a couple months ago or a month ago. Yeah, um, I think so.
0: I think there was a common thing going on in the world about a month ago around that.
1: <laughs> uh, no, and it's it's so like I, I really believe we all have very similar base belief systems, and that's one of the things I've recognized in the letters as well, in the interviews that I create I, I conducted in the surveys that I did with the 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 people that did the letters, um men and women. Um, we have issues with with whether we are worthy. Um, whether we are lovable, if we are wanted, if, um, there have been a lot of people who have experienced deep trauma mm. and that has completely changed them in a different way. Um, we all are very similar, but we don't give each other, we don't give each other kind of the, the space to, to believe that. Um, we, we,
0: I, I'm just curious oh. on this, like, why are we still collectively telling the story? Like you're not lovable. And where did that all begin? Do you have any idea of that?
1: I, I think I, I think it really begins with control and worth and, and family dynamics, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's generational and passed down because of um, struggle, mm-hmm. right, and the way people have been treated over the course of history. Um, there are, and if you look back over the course of history, I mean, there's always the good people and the bad people, the people who are the warriors and the people who are um who are treated poorly. So I don't I don't know if you could like yeah. historically go and anthropologically go back through time and say, hey, let's really dig into your ancestry and understand if these are words and sentences and belief systems that have just passed generationally. Um, I also truly believe advertising has so much to do with it. Yeah. Um, if you look at the journals of girls um, before the Industrial Revolution, they wrote of being pure of heart and kind and generous. They did not write about their bodies or the way they looked or, um, you know, they could be in love with someone, but they wouldn't. There was no jealousy and anything like that.
0: Oh, that like makes um, my heart sad hearing this. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: if, if you look at the Industrial Revolution, when all of a sudden they needed to um, mm. they put mirrors in homes, they started creating clothing sizes. Before that, there were no sizes. Um, they started creating creams, face creams, um, and they started advertising, this will make you look more beautiful, this will help you get a husband, this will help you. We created an environment where women were pitted against each other for um, security, for husbands, for jobs, for whatever, because we we created almost this abusive relationship with self through advertising. Wow. And I've watched that over the course of time. If you look at some of the work that's being done out of the Gina Davis Institute for Gender and Media, we propagate that in media and film. Wow, um, we do. We, we have completely 100%. Totally. And I, I will tell you, one of the things I'm, I'm really proud of is that um, I've, I've worked with a brand manager who works for a large advertising company. And because of the things I've been able to share with him uh, about the anthropological effects of, of advertising, he's actually adjusted a couple of um, large national advertising campaigns.
0: Oh, wow. Um,
1: and that, to me, is like a, a boon. That's a win, right? If you can say I am seeing campaigns change because of education around gender um, and the way we, we create these. And, and guys have the same thing, right? We don't create um, the ability for them to offer words of emotion and we don't show them, they're, they're not allowed to talk about their emotions or have feelings they're supposed to be strong and brave and if you look at the movies if you look at advertising and you look at commercials it, it's the same type of gendered expectation so i i do feel like anthropologically there's something there but i also feel like the advent of commercialism yeah has created a lot of it
0: absolutely and like moving forward into the future vision like what would be your ultimate heaven on earth perfect vision of what you think should happen here with the situation at hand
1: it's so funny that you asked me that because I'm dealing with this right now. I'm thinking through it. And, um, you know, with the Me Too movement, in me being in corporate America in a patriarchal work environment, um, what I'm watching is men actually becoming more and more uncomfortable and stepping more into patriarchal roles and being afraid of being falsely accused for something. And I worry that if we don't find a way to respect the differences of the genders, and I can go super deep if you want to talk about the biology of, of each of our genders and why we have to come together in decision makings and yeah. why statistically it's important for us. You know, if you look at, I actually it was interviewing a woman from the CIA recently, and she's talking about national security and how um the decisions around national security are made by men, but 50% of the population does not have security because rape is still used as a crime of war. Right. Um, and then you look at finance, and every time there is two or more women women on a board or in executive leadership roles, the companies are healthier and they do better in the global economy. So it's it's it, there's these examples of why statistically, and and you know we need women and men to come together. But can we get to a place? And this is where I'm 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 working on right now, and I would love to figure out how to to not solve for this, but create an environment where we can discuss being almost genderless in the way we um, look at advertising and business if we can find a way where we need each other and create instead of a woman should be desirable and a man should be strong create wow we're gonna have a better global society and national security and better you know world environment and i and i don't think this has to do with one guy i think this is a global um issue which you know it's gonna go on forever but i think we have to get to a place where that genders actually see why it's important for us to come together because we're more powerful when we're making decisions um, at the same table.
0: Absolutely. Wow. And so what are the steps? Like, what's the next step towards that vision, do you think?
1: I th- so I was talking to the, the, um, the analyst, um, Gina Bennett, she's with the CIA, and she's amazing. And, you know, she was saying there usually has to be someone in between, right? There has to be a third party who kind of this, and it's usually not well-known, and it's a clandestine kind of conversation that happens. And it's what does each of us need and, and how can we get there? I think that there needs to be a global conversation as to um, the benefits Of creating a different type of work environment in a different type of society, as a like movements have 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 absolutely. I love the credence of movements and how they get people talking. Yeah. Um. But I think we also need to create something where it's like, well, let me show you the benefits of us doing this, rather than pointing a finger and making either side afraid. Yeah. Right. Because in the Me Too movement, a lot of executives are refusing now to mentor women, which I know from my perspective is a problem, Mm. um, because keeps the women in positions of, um, powerlessness because you're, you're, you're kicked out of meetings. You're not allowed to go on dinners with the guys, you know, you're not allowed to do certain things. You can't do you know, enact business the same way. How do we get to a conversation? And I think that's what we need to do. And we need to actually find a way to have a a global conversation about how it will statistically help the world. But
0: how do we do that? Like what would the, what can you visualize in your mind? What a conversation like would look like, like, how would that happen?
1: I think it would have to be like if you were looking at like a, it's it's not a political party, right? It's it's like a, it's like a a, a global like a UNICEF or a UN or somebody like that who's mm. instead of creating a movement or a um or a fundraising technique, instead it's a, a global summit. Right. Oh, There's wow. a global summit where people are talking about why it's important and understanding. You know, I've watched a lot of movements that have moved into other countries help trying to help women. You have to also be very aware of the um, of the mindsets and the traditions, um, because you can go in thinking that you're helping someone. You don't understand you're creating an entirely different issue. Right. So I think it would have to be like a U.N. or a UNICEF who's kind of bringing people together and saying, let's summit, let's talk, you know, country to country. But let's do it from a data perspective. Let's do it from a knowledge perspective, not a finger pointing. This is what's happened. Let's do it from the place of, of problem solving.
0: Right. Oh, I love that. I also am thinking as you're speaking about just what we can actually do on a, on a personal level. I mean, I think that there's, there may be something there too. Like as you're talking, it's just triggering in me and I'm, I can't remember the exact quote. I'm trying to look it up from Margaret Mead. Do you, do, have you heard th- this quote she, she talks about this idea of don't underestimate the the power of a small group of people to change the world because she's mm-hmm. like that's in fact what has changed the world yes. in along those lines and it's like just the question of on an individual level like even people just listening right now and tuning in like how do sure. we contribute to a vision where there's more equality amongst the genders and there's this kind of beautiful balance that you're visioning what can we do <laughs>
1: I really believe that it's 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 several things. First and foremost, it's it's awareness. Um, for for men, I would ask any man that's listening to this to please mentor a woman in your life. Um, I think it's so incredibly important for men, especially in powerful positions, to look for talented women and give them an opportunity that they would no they they may not otherwise have. Um, I think it's important for um, us to get out of a victim blame mentality. I think we have to understand our own triggers. And I I don't like to be around people who hate men or don't like women or point fingers or say they knew what they were getting into. You have to, we have to learn how to individually unhook ourselves from victim blame mentality and control our own words and actions and understand sometimes the people in front of you who are pointing fingers, they've had their own triggers and hopefully they'll get there too. Um, But I really think that it's, it's, a lot of internal work to understand, even your belief systems, as you're maybe doing your love letter to your younger self, and some of the um, exercises I have in my book are understand what your base belief system is when it comes to gender and love and religion and racism and advocacy, and do you actually believe those things, or were those things that were shared with you because of trauma that's happened in past generations?
0: Yeah, the past lore, yeah, exactly.
1: So uncover your lore and get really clear on what you truly believe on a go for basis. basis yeah. and then allow that to influence the people you love and bring in people in your life who have the same value systems um, and, and let that spread out within your companies, within your relationships, um, because we we have a tendency to get caught up in old stories and, and they're playing out right now in politics, they're playing out right now in the press. Yeah. Um,
0: Totally. We're we'll seeing stop. it, especially down there in the south. Oh We're my seeing God, this like, crazy yes. <laughs> right now. Of, man, lots of compassion for the U.S. right now up here. We want to see the best happen. You Thank know what's you. what's blowing my mind, Jeanette, as we're speaking, is um, we're recording this and it's uh, solstice here. Like, it, it's amazing that we're moving from uh, fall or autumn into winter and it's today, like this afternoon as we're recording this. and. Uh, I don't know if you follow all of this astrology stuff, but like it's the darkest night of the year and longest night of the year tonight. And then tomorrow there's like a full moon where we are at least. And it's like the brightest um, night ever of, of the year. And I love that. We've amazing.
1: Made, we've just made a prayer. We've Just made a prayer to the universe. I love it. I, I think I I do follow. I, even though like I'm very data specific and I'm I'm finance mind, um I'm very spiritual
0: mm-hmm. and
1: very aware of the fact that the world and the universe are a lot bigger than we are, and there's a lot of magic there too. So I hope something really beautiful comes out of this conversation.
0: I do too. <laughs> I do too. I'm just like I'm blown away as you're speaking too about just how we live in this crazy dichotomy called life, where you know we we, we feel like we're this separate kind of body and we're like as you were saying earlier like I am what I have I am what I do but at the same time as as I've been listening to you speak about your work like there I'm reminded that there's this like inherent oneness that's connecting us all together this place of perfection that you said how we were born into the world and it's Mm -hmm. like imagine seeing each other from that place of of oneness of connection as opposed to all the things that separate us where we spend so much time and it's just like Mm -hmm. so inspiring to hear you speak about all that. I I also just have to ask you about this because I noticed in some of the stuff I was reading, part of your production team or all of your production team is is male, like all all men.
1: (laughs) It's crazy Um, and it's changing. Um, it was kind of funny because I have, you know, I grew up in a patriarchal family and I went straight into a male dominated career and I have always been surrounded. I'm a, I'm a woman's woman. I will absolutely support women hundred percent. Um, and, but the people that are closest to me for the longest time have been men. And, um, I originally started my brand manager, a gentleman based out of Chicago. Um, we met at a conference and we started talking he's like, you have something here. I'm like, I want to write a book. And he's like, I'm going to help you. Mm. And I I appreciate him because he pulled me along. Um, I would not be as far as I am today if it wasn't for him. So I feel like he was one of those angels that kind of stepped out of the shadows and was like – but it was kind of funny. He's the one that has the advertising experience. We kind of helped each other, right? I educated him on um, what's going on uh, with gender and media, and he really got me to a place to where I had realized and actualized, you know, my vision for this book. Um, but there were times where he would hire crews, you know, for for things, and they were all guys and. <laughs> I couldn't get them. There were times where I was like, I need a, I need a woman director. Like <laughs> I need it. a, I need like, you know. And they, it was really cute. I'll tell you this funny story. I had this one. We had to do this video, and there was an opening, and it was a male director. And I had gotten so many like, oh, you need to work with him. You need to work with him. You need. And I'm looking at on Instagram. And there's all Ferraris on it and girls. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> you were. And they we hire him and then he sends me the video and I was like, this must be his impression of what women would want to see. Like, I'm like, I need the opening to be soulful. And when he sent me, was like exploding hearts and like little envelopes. And I was like, yeah, no. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. So we
1: finally did. We actually, we reached out um, and I will tell you, you know, when they talk about women in film, um, I will tell you it's very hard. Um, and that makes me sad because apparently there's a backlog of women in film um, who you can hire. Um, and I have fortunately now, it took me about a year and a half broken into a group of really talented directors, editors, my social media manager. She's actually based in Toronto, Ooh. um, is a woman. Um, my publicist now is an all woman team out of New York. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it started being all men and I love the men. I, I believe that we need each other and we need to advocate and, and we're allies and we need each other's support. But I was like, I have to, I have to find the ladies out there, and uh, it took us a little while. But we found some really talented women.
0: Oh, that's good. So there's some balance now. I, I was just intrigued because uh, your publicist was sharing with me a little bit about this male part of the team and how you do these interviews, and then afterwards they're they're apologizing for all the men in the world. Yes. I was like, oh man, <laughs> that's crazy. It's
1: so funny because we have, you know, we'll do these um, interviews on camera, and a lot of times the guys don't know who the women are, you know, and they come to the set and. And um, the women will start speaking and I see them wiping their tears or afterwards will say, Hey, like, I want to write a letter to my younger self. Like guys need this too. Yeah. And I've been thinking about the words and we had one man actually stay for 20 minutes afterwards. And he was like, he, like we, we unlocked something in him. And unfortunately, you know, I, I, I interviewed, um, I've interviewed several women who've been victims of sexual assault. I should say survivors, you know, cause they're amazing and they don't yeah. let it define them, but they also have a message. And afterwards the guys would say, I am so sorry for what these guys did to you. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, um, that this happened. And I hope that you see that there are other men. And I have to tell you, that's wow. one of the things I've also appreciated about this project. Um, that's hit me deep is, um, coming from the male dominated career and going through a terrible divorce and different things I as much as I love men I wasn't seeing the best of them for a while mm-hmm. and through this project I have met some of the most supported supportive kind and just purposeful men um and it's I think between me and the women who have been interviewed, it's actually, it's been so refreshing to be like, ah, oh, there they are.
0: Oh, um, good. <laughs>
1: you know, and you can see the best of them. It's oh, been amazing.
0: Good. You know, I just, I forgot to mention, like, can you share a little bit about the um, the video projects that you're doing? Because it's amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, we, we started by doing interviews of these women on film, um, just basically sitting down with them and having them share their love letters. And I think that the reason I decided to do that was because when they would write them, they're edited and beautiful. And like, I wasn't editing them, but they were making them concise. Mm. Um, I wanted it to be from their soul, but I knew the backstory. Right. And I knew the things that were really beautiful that the, the readers weren't actually seeing. And so I asked several of them if we could do it on camera and it's just pure magic. Wow, I mean, the way these women would open up, and and I'm a, con, you're a conversationalist, I can tell. Like, I love conversation.
0: Me too. <laughs> and
1: where well, you can go with it, and you know what? I love being locked in words and, and soulfulness with people, and we did that on camera. And so these ladies, the, the stories that they'd share and the insights and the gems that came like directly from their soul when they're not thinking of who's reading this and instead just talking to me. Um, it's
0: absolutely beautiful. Oh, so good. We definitely have to, you've got to go check that out. If you are not familiar with Jeanette's work, cause these videos are really powerful and the book and just finally about the book. I want to just get back to that for a minute. Um, what can people expect after reading your book? Like what, what do you think are the biggest takeaways?
1: Oh gosh. Um, So I've had several people, when they start the book, they have a hard time getting past the first section, which I knew was going to be an issue because I'm asking you. I'm not telling you how life should be. I'm asking you to review. And um, I've had several people who have reached out emotional and they're like, this is so hard. And I'm like, yes, because it's for you. You don't know me. I can't trigger you unless there's something in there that's for you. And so I, I just tell people, when you first get started, you may remember some things. You may um, be kind of surprised at what pops up, um, but keep going. Mm-hmm. Promise yourself and commit your, to yourself that you're going to keep going, because after that it gets so much more beautiful and purposeful. You know, You really have to pull these things out of yourself and and create a forgiveness practice for yourself and others. And then after that, it's really changing your orientation to be more purposeful and one of active choice as opposed to passive choice orientation and learning how to manifest the future and connect with that future higher version of yourself so that as you're making your next steps and, and moving into that actualized version of the new you, you're doing it from new stories and a new foundation. Mm-hmm. We have to pull out the old and we have to forgive them. And we have to say, thank you, bless, because you got me here, but I got this from here. Yeah, And I, that's where I want people to finish the book. I want their minds to be changed. I want their lens to be clearer. And I hope that they start moving to a place of, of purpose. And when I say purpose, I'm not talking about find your life's purpose. You may. But making purposeful decisions, creating purposeful relationships, and making sure that your self talk is is clean, and the way you're um, influencing the people around you and even your children—it's creating a new generation of people who have a different a different paradigm.
0: I love it. And the thing that I love too about this book is there are so many actual tangible practices. Um, that you take us through. It's like, it's like going through a therapy in a way. It's like, it's beautiful. (laughs) And then on the other side, there's like this breakthrough of, oh my gosh, like I've been holding on to these stories and all of a sudden I'm cracking open to what's my future actually possibly going to look like now. And this is awesome. And yeah, you guys have to go check out this book lore. It's really, really great. And, um, yeah. Jeanette, I'm just so grateful that you took time to share all this with us. And where, where would be, I know you have a couple of sites cause you got the book site, you got your site. Where, where's, where do you want people sure. to find you? What would be the best?
1: Um- one of the easiest ways to find me is um, at Um You can link to my blog, to uh, the podcast. I have a podcast of my own that's going live in January. Um, you can get to the book and uh, um, my Instagram handles. Instagram is at Schneider, and the book is available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And I have to conclude, I, somebody that's dropped in uh, from the other side in this conversation was Louise Hay. And, uh such a mentor of mine and she's been here and I've been thinking of her the whole time we've been talking and she keeps reminding me as we're talking and this might sound woo to some of the listeners but she just says tell Jeanette Jeanette you are so lovable and uh, you really are and I can hear the shift that's taken in place in you from from your past to now and uh, you're just doing incredible work in the world and it's just such an honor to connect with you on this so thank you
1: I just got goosebumps. Thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. And I just, I hope people take something beautiful from it. And the solstice is is magical. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Jeanette. Talk to you soon. Uh, Absolutely. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Jeanette Schneider is such a dear lady and doing such important work on the planet. And uh, I'm sure you could hear in her voice, just her vision for how she sees the planet and her world. And hopefully that inspires you as well. So thank you so much for being here and listening and tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you next time here, same place, same time. Perhaps, perhaps not. It's a podcast, but we'll see you next time on Let's Connect.